0: So, what I was saying is, a few weeks ago, um, we go to a church in North Orange County, and our pastor, Alan, was preaching on service. And he was preaching about just really using the gifts that you have. And I got really convicted on this Sunday, and I, I, I prayed to God. I said, You know, I'm serving, I'm doing lots of things, but I don't feel like I'm really using the gifts I have to the ability that I could. And I said, if there's any way that you want me to serve, if it's preaching, if it's something else you want me to get involved in in ministry, I'll do it. And then leave it to Rob uh, the next day emails me and says, there's something going on um, coming up and I can't be there for Palm Sunday, so can you preach? So we we exchanged these emails back and forth about how it's such a God thing that, that I would be preaching today. And it was a God thing for him as well because he needed to be up in Seattle. Um, so good to be here. It's Palm Sunday. It's a very exciting day. Um, and... One of the things I really love about coming back to Light Shine is I always follow the the newsletters that you do, Sydney. They're always so good. Thank you for doing those. Um, It gives me an opportunity to stay uh, up on everything you guys have going on. And I love how uh, missional Light Shine Church is. I remember when we first started it, it was really all about being missional, and then here we are, I don't know how many years later, five, six years, six years later, and, and a lot of churches begin with a certain mission, and then it kind of fades over time, but at Light Shine, I feel like it's just gotten stronger. It's really cool to see mission after mission, and more and more happening in the community, so I love that aspect also love how inclusive you are. You really just let anybody come, which I think is cool. You let uh, Jeff is here. That's awesome. But Dustin, I mean, that's saying a lot. You let me come preach, uh, which I don't know if that's being inclusive or just if you have low standards, but whatever it is, we're here. So um, today's Palm Sunday. We're going to read um, a really triumphant piece of Scripture today. We're going to read it out of Luke's Gospel in the ESV. And uh, because of the nature of Palm Sunday, when I finish, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And I would invite you to respond this time by saying, praise to you, O Christ. All right, think we can do that? All right, so let's read the word of the Lord together about the triumphal entry. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So here we are. This is it. It's Palm Sunday. The Jewish people and Gentiles alike are lining the streets of Jerusalem... They're all there because they're celebrating the Passover. And as Luke writes it, they're lifting up their palm branches and they're shouting out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace and heaven and glory in the highest. Now I chose to to read this from Luke's gospel because Luke is a Greek historian. So he kind of comes at it with a little bit more of a Gentile perspective. But Matthew and John are actually coming to this scripture with more of the Jewish perspective where they're lifting up these palm branches and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna uh, to the Son of David. And Hosanna means, save us, save us now. Uh, But in order for us to really know that as they're raising up these branches and saying, save us now, for us to know what that means, we have to dig just a little bit deeper. See, the nation of Israel... The Jewish people are a people who, I would say, uh, more than any other nation all through history, have been oppressed. They've been enslaved. They've been persecuted beyond anything that I think we could ever really imagine. We're not talking about just um, 10 or, or 15 years at a time that happened once or twice. We're talking about century after century that would happen and end, and then another century after century where it would happen again. And that all really began back with the Egyptian slavery. They were enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt. They were forced, even as young children, to work in terrible conditions, in the heat. And they were uh, at a place where a child, the father, the grandparents, and beyond, all they ever knew was being enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt. And then finally, of course, we all know the story that Moses comes along, and they're, they're liberated, and they're set free Well, as the centuries continue, this doesn't end. They continue with battles. They're constantly at war. They're fighting against the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar in the north turns his eye toward Israel in the south, and he comes and exiles all of them to Babylon. And so much of the Old Testament is just filled with this persecution and the the difficulties that they are facing. The prophets are often writing during this time of Babylonian exile. So as we approach this today, and these Jewish people are lining the streets, they're raising their hands and raising the palm branches, and they're saying, save us, save us now. And now they're talking about being saved from a different oppressor, uh, because now they're under the oppression of the Roman rule. Uh, The Romans had increased the taxes so much that they could barely afford to live. Uh, Caesar said that he was deity and should be worshipped as God. And if anyone would dare to rise up against them, they would stamp out uh, any zealot group that stood up against them at all. Uh, When Jesus was born, you might remember that he had gone and slaughtered all the male-born children. I mean, can you even begin to wrap your mind around the kind of suffering and pain these people have been facing? So it's no wonder that as Jesus comes, they're raising up the palm branches and they're saying, save us, Uh, save us now. So what I wonder is, If on this triumphant Palm Sunday, that we're all here and we, like the Jews that day, bring some things with us. Uh, Maybe it's your anxieties or your fears. You, You bring with you the things of your past and your hopes and fears for the future. Maybe you bring with you something that when you think about it, you feel like you're just going to break down. Uh, for me, the thing I bring is, um, you know, I was really close with my mother and, and lost my mom just four months ago to cancer, and so I bring this thing with me that is just so difficult, and as I raise the palm branches today, and I say, save us now, that's, that's what I think about. Um, just the other day, I was in my office, and I pulled out the drawer with all my pens Uh, She makes fun of me because I say pin, but I think you're supposed to say pen, apparently. So it had my pens, and also there's like staplers and stuff. And I open it, and I see way back in there a photo. And I'm like, what? It's an upside-down photo. So I get it, I turn it upside down, and and there's a photo of my mom. My mom and I at the top of the Ferris wheel uh, in Santa Monica when she came to visit a few years ago, all happy and the sun is shining. And it's those moments where you just feel like, oh, whoa. It just hits you so hard. And so I wonder if we can think just a bit today as you've come here this morning, as we, so to speak, line the streets and as we wave these palm branches and we say, save us now, what is it that we're asking God to save us from? One of my favorite kind of TV shows that I think are really funny is these shows where they have to go through a sort of obstacle course and they're going along the way. And there used to be these ones where it was all non-English speaking commentators who would talk about it. And it's really, they don't care if you actually finish the course. They just think it's funny when you get knocked off the course in different, way, different ways. And so there's these things that are going. There's things they have to do. Uh, my favorite one, I think, is the one where they, they're kind of going along and they climb along a wall. And then there's like a boxing glove that just comes out and like punches them in the face. And they fall off into like the water. Well, so these shows have gotten a little more sophisticated, and now there's one that's the American Ninja Warrior. So I think I'm getting more head nods on that one, so uh, probably a little more popular. Sounds a little more athletic, it's a little more of a thing, it's a little more official, not as much like blooper style, people getting knocked off into the water. Uh, but it's still very difficult, and the way it works, you go through this obstacle course. And at the end, you want the contestant to finish really quickly, and then they hit the buzzer, and then the smoke comes up, and the lights go off, and and it's this big celebration. Well, there's one obstacle I saw on this show I thought was really cool, and it was where um, the person has to jump off, and there's this sort of padded pole hanging from the ceiling type thing, and they had to grab on with like arms and legs, sort of. Um, Then they have to turn their back this way, and they have to get to the next one. And so the people who do not do very well are the ones that try to get like, to both of them at the same time. They're always going like, to fall all the way down. Uh, but the people who do really well are the ones who are able to kind of totally let go and sort of forsake the one as they turn and grab onto the other. This, I think, is a really good picture of the dynamic that's happening with the Jewish people who lined the streets waving those palm branches that day. Um, that many of the historians believe around the exact same time Jesus is coming through, riding on the colt of a donkey through the eastern gate, that actually Pontius Pilate is coming through with a contingent of the Roman guard coming through the western gate. And the reason for this is that they have allowed the Jewish people to gather for Passover. That's what this whole Holy Week was all about back then. That's why they were coming to Jerusalem. And so you're going to have a lot of people there. And they wanted to make sure, yes, we'll let you celebrate being liberated from the Egyptians. But don't get any ideas about being liberated from us. So they're there and they have their their army. They're ready to stamp out anyone who is to rise up against them. And so as a Jew in the first century you had to really keep a sort of low profile. Um, It was kind of unsaid that people who were Jewish were against the Romans, um, but they had to sort of hold on to this pretense and pretend as if, uh, we're never going to do that, we're just under the radar, as far as the Romans are concerned, I'm not in a zealot group, don't make an example out of me. Uh, I'm just going to sort of hold on to this thing, and maybe one day there will be a liberator who will come along who I could let go of this whole pretense, let it all go, be in this really vulnerable place, and then grab on to whatever that thing is that comes along. So as Jesus is coming, they're all now out there very publicly waving palm branches and saying, Save us now, O Son of David. They're saying, Bring back the kingdom that you once had. Uh, And they're doing this thing that's really vulnerable, that is, is something they could be severely punished for. I think that as we, like those Jewish people, uh, are here waving palm branches saying, save us now, and we bring these things with us today, one of the things that often happens is we have a tendency, I think, to hold on to different things. Uh, we hold on to our therapist, to our, the money that we have, our security, uh, thinking we can kind of do it on our own. We can handle that big thing in our life, whatever it is. Um, And the worst part is when we're just totally here on our own, but what can be even worse is when we're we're here, kind of trying to be in the middle between the hot and the cold and the lukewarm. Um, And what I think God wants for us today is for us to take all those anxieties and fears, the things of the past, uh, the things that we bring with us, and be able to totally forsake them completely so that we can really uh, grab on and hold on to the good things that God has for us today. One thing that we really enjoy doing is going back to North Carolina every year. Uh, we just went there back in December. And it's always a good time. That's where I'm originally from. And uh, right now, I have two older brothers. Some of you may have met them at the wedding or in other places. Um, one is Andrew. He's two years older than, than Ben is, uh, is four years older. So Andrew has two little baby boys. Now, one is about a year and a half now. His name is Major, and um, the other is just a baby, so we only saw him uh, as, a, as a, like an infant back in December. Uh, but Major, I always think it's funny when they would either post Facebook videos or when you're actually there when it's spaghetti night at the house and the baby's going to eat spaghetti. So now, I don't know if you've ever been to a place, bless you, where a, a baby is eating spaghetti, but... There are lots of provisions that have to be made. Um, so we're talking, you know, tarps on the floor, cover up the, the carpet, move everything at least 15 feet back, because he'll get a little bit of it in his stomach, but the rest is going to be on his face. You're going to have meatballs. You're going to have stuff all over the place. And when you know that this is coming, there are, are sort of provisions that you will need to make to make sure that everything goes smoothly when the baby eats spaghetti. So I believe that long ago, in eternity past, the God of the universe looked down at past, present, and future, and knew that God would create a world, and he would create a people who would one day completely turn their back on him. That they would enter into sin, sin would enter into this world, and so there would have to be a provision that would be made. There would have to be something that would have to be done to right all of those wrongs. And so God knew that He would send His only Son into our world to live this perfect life, and that one day um, Jesus would ride in on the colt of a donkey. Um, He would be coming in to save the whole world from all of the sin, from past, present, future, and anything that would ever be done. But the thing that is so odd about this story is that as the Jewish people are saying, save us, save us now, what they're really asking for is, God, we're, we're oppressed and we're facing a certain circumstance in this one moment. And so I want to take this one thing and give it to you, Jesus, to, to, to handle. Can you just handle this one thing? But actually, God didn't just want the one thing, he wanted the whole thing. God wanted it all. He wanted every part of every person who was there. He didn't just want this this piece of the Roman circumstance they were facing in that one day. So it's kind of like, we were talking earlier with Nick about, I do a little bit of marketing consulting and things on the side, and over the years I've had lots of conversations with business owners, and they'll say something like, you know, I, have a, I just think I need a website. If I could just get my website right, then my business would be better. And I look at them and I'm like, no, uh, I've looked at your business and, and you don't need a website redo. You need to redo the whole thing. Like the thing that you're doing just doesn't work. It's not going to work in the marketplace at all. Or uh, let me give a more uh, for the ladies in the audience. Maybe it's you go in to the hairstylist, and you're trying to get your hair did, and you go in there, and you're like, look, I just need a few inches taken off. It'd be as if the stylist said, you don't need to take a few inches off, you need to redo the whole thing. Like, it all needs to be redone. As a matter of fact, don't just do your hair, you need to redo your life. Like, the whole thing needs to be fixed. (laughs) I think that's sort of what, what we all do, right? That we came here this morning and I sort of tricked you a bit to get you thinking about what are your circumstances of today. And there's nothing wrong with taking the things we have and bringing those to God. Um, But what God came here for wasn't just for that one circumstance. You know, and so how often do we really have going on in life something so much bigger that we've never taken the time, we've never been motivated enough to give God our whole entire life? Or we have major problems, deep, deep and and dark things in our life that are overcoming, things from our past that never got resolved. And so, but we don't want to bring all that. God, I don't want to talk about these big, big things, but yet I will bring to you this one thing that's happening in my life right now. Help me with this health problem I'm facing. Help me with the stresses from work today. Um, But what would it be like if we were to give God everything? Because I don't think God came here so that we could continually sort of add on to the debt. I think that God came so that he could pay the debts once and for all. Pay the debt that we could not pay on our own. I don't think Jesus came to bring comfort as an offering for a few. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. He never promised that our lives would be really easy, and that we would never have struggles and difficulty, but actually invites us to take up our cross and follow him. Jesus riding in on a colt of a donkey that day wasn't for our tranquility, uh, but as Isaiah says it, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. It says the chastisement for our peace Was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And so it is that we're here today with these things we bring. The hope is that we would stop holding on to all these other things, forsake them completely, and then when we come to God, bring everything, not just this one small piece. When I was uh, a little kid, I loved spending time with my mom. I found out later in life that she was a person who whose love language was uh, quality time, and I didn't realize that as a kid, but I just enjoyed spending time with her, and so she would be in the kitchen, and I would often want to hang out and be in the same space that she was in, so if I saw her working with her hands on on dough or doing something, uh, I would want to do something similar, so I'd say, hey, can I play with my Play-Doh, and she would say, yes, that's okay, so over in the kitchen, on the kitchen table, I would get out my Play-Doh, and I would begin to shape things and... I would say, hey, Mom, so what should I make next? And she's trying to keep me occupied, so she's like, you know, just make a dog or whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I make a dog, and I'm like, here it is. I'm done. Doesn't this look good? And she says, okay, now make an elephant. And all parents are like shaking your head. You know this drill. Like, keep them busy. Keep them doing something. So I make an elephant or whatever, and I'm like, here, I did it. Can you take a look? And so then I think there would be these occasions where she'd say, okay, um, Make the Eiffel Tower, you know, something that's like, uh, as a little kid, I have no idea what that is. So I say, well, Mom, I've never seen what that looks like. And she would say, you know, well, just use your imagination. So I would go and try to make an Eiffel Tower and make a monstrosity of it. I didn't know what it looked like. I just made some random tower. I got to thinking in preparation for today about what it would be like if you took some kind of of modeling clay or Play-Doh or whatever, and you brought it to those, um, those Jews who were persecuted under Pharaoh in Egypt. And if you were to say, here, I want you to, to make a shape that represents what it would look like for you to be set free, I imagine they would respond by saying, you know, I don't really know what that looks like. I've never experienced that before. And you'd say, well, we'll use your imagination. And so maybe they would begin to shape something that looks like a little bit less heat, more water, more food, better conditions, a sense of maybe national identity would be nice, whatever it is that they could think up on their own. But not one of them would have shaped out 10 plagues and 40 years in the wilderness before they'd cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Because the way God was going to shape that deliverance was far different but far greater than anything they could have ever imagined for themselves. Now, if you did the, th- the same thing that day as they're waving the palm branches, they're saying, save us now, save us now. And you say, well, what would that look like? Let's, let's shape that out a bit. I think that many, I know that many of them would have said something like this. Well, what that would look like for us to be set free is if a godlike figure came out of the clouds, backed by all the armies of heaven, with swords drawn, with the trumpet of God and the shout of the archangel, and they're coming to stamp out the empirical powers of Rome. That's what what that shape would look like. But in reality, the God of the universe stepped out of eternity and into time. He took on skin and flesh And came to a world that would offer him nothing but a cattle shed in which to be born and a cross on which to die. He would grow up as a peasant, carpenter's son, and he would never ride into Jerusalem on a big white horse. But he rode in on the colt of a donkey it speaks a lot about him riding in through the Eastern Gate. There's a huge uh, motif around the Eastern Gate there. And what seems to be something really triumphant as Jesus comes through, uh, it says that as Jesus saw Jerusalem, he began to weep over Jerusalem as he's riding in on the donkey. And I think it's because, in part, he knew that the same people who were crying out, Save us now, Hosanna, were the same people who would be crying, Crucify him on Friday. I also know it's because... Jesus could look into the future and knew that as Josephus wrote, the great historian of the first century, uh, he wrote that that same eastern gate just a few decades later would be flowing with the blood of Christians and Jews after the great Roman conquest of of the Jewish people. They would come in and just slaughter everyone who was there. That day Jesus is on his way to the temple, that famous story where he drives out the money changers. Um, But little did they know that in just a few short decades... No stone would be left unturned as that temple was torn down. Uh, Because the way Jesus was painting that picture, the way he was shaping that out, was in the shape of a cross. And that was far different, but far greater than anything they could have ever imagined for themselves. And so it is that this morning we all have come here today as we, so to speak, line the streets and we shout, save us now, save us now. We've thought a bit about what it is we're asking God to save us from. The hope today is that we would be able to stop holding on to all these other things, that we could set those aside, forsake them completely, so that we can give every part of who we are to God. So we can say, God, save us from every part of us, save us from our sin. Um, Do for me what you came here to do. And we know that when God is going to shape out what it will look like for us to be delivered, it will often look far different, but far greater, than anything we could ever imagine for ourselves. Let's pray. God, we come to you today as a people uh, humble to be in your presence. God, we confess that so often... We come to you with just these small parts of our lives. I pray today, God, that you will touch someone's heart here, maybe all of our hearts, so that we could then take all those things and give them completely to you today. I pray a special movement of your spirit in this moment upon every person who is here that we all would be convicted, God, to turn from those ways and to give you it all. Um, God, we know that the way you will set us free will often look much different than what we have in mind. And God, we pray that we'll be able to, in those moments, truly be able to accept that deliverance in the way that you would shape it. God, we thank you for what Palm Sunday represents. This triumphant and joyous occasion where we celebrate your son Jesus riding through the eastern gate on the colt of a donkey. God, I pray that we will be able to truly worship you today, that we will welcome you into this space. And God, we thank you in advance for all the good work you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.